Welcome to the People of Chattanooga podcast. I'm your host, Luke Swab, and today on the show I have Tim Larimore. Tim is an avid kayaker, a teacher at Baylor, and the director of the North Chickamauga Creek Conservancy. The conversation resolves around water as we discuss access, land acquisition, park creation, and maintenance. We talk about the pros and cons of dams, the different ways to enjoy water as well as protect it, and personal kayaking stories. Tim is also heavily involved with the highly anticipated Walden's Ridge Park, which is a collaboration project at a scale that we have never seen before in Chattanooga. The park will feature mountain biking, bouldering, hiking, and more, and is located close to the town right off of the W Road. So pull out a map, sit back, and follow along as we discuss the wonderful public land of Chattanooga. I hope you enjoy my following conversation with Tim Larimore. And we are recording. I am here with Tim Larimore from, he's the director of the North Chick Conservatory. Did I say that right? North Chickamauga Creek Conservancy. <laughs> so hard to say. Roll up. <laughs> um, how long did it take you to learn your own title? Oh, it, uh, it takes a lot of practice. I've been saying North Chickamauga Creek for, uh, since I was a teenager because of kayaking, but um, most everyone in town just knows it as North Chick, and plenty of people are pretty comfortable calling us the North Chick Conservancy. And we have an event called Chick Stock, and it, it always confuses people to some degree, but it's the North Chick Market Creek Conservancy. That's awesome. And you are the director there. I am. Um, how did you get that job? I got involved with the Conservancy uh, as a paddler. I've always enjoyed paddling the creek. And then in 2013, I came on as a board member and just kind of stayed on and cycled through you know, the, the leadership positions of vice president and president. And um uh, it was so in the guts of the machine that um, when it came time to roll off the board, uh, the the, exec- the director position was open, and so I stepped in as director and have been since then. What do all the different positions do? Well, um, you know, the the president kind of guides the the goals and missions annually for what what the conservancy is going to do. Uh, the vice president takes care of you know certain matters of oversight and things like that. And the secretary takes down the notes and handles all the um, documents. And then of course the treasury takes care of the numbers and uh, treasurer takes care of the numbers. And uh, so, uh, and then each board member, we tend to bring on board members who have some sort of area of expertise, be it technology or um, they know maps or um, real estate or something like that. So that they have a, a role that they can really get involved in have an impact on the, on the organization. Are these paid positions? Um, my position is paid, but it's an all volunteer board, which is, um, which is impressive because of the amount of work it takes to do what we do. We're getting that out of volunteers. These are a lot of people who have demanding careers and they have families and yet they carve out the time to, um, improve access education conservation of the watershed and so it's a passion project for a lot of people and it certainly is for me because it's not my main gig (laughs) well um how many hours do you think these board members are putting in volunteering we we i think a board member typically is doing on a given week an hour or two but there are periods of time when they take on a project or when we have events coming up where that can it can be five to six times that um where they're working all the time. And, you know, we have uh, a particular board member 
uh, right now who's working on this, we're, we're paying really close attention to a rock harvesting operation on the banks of the creek that really concerns us. And so she's spending hours um, drafting letters to various officials and making sure that she's acting in an oversight position to make sure that the, the things that we've seen that, that the, the city of Saudi Daisy and the custom stone handlers have agreed to, that we're making sure that they're following through on that. So she's uh, relentless. And so she spends a lot of time. So. Are, are they, are they harvesting right there off of uh Oh, once it opens up, um, Dayton Pike, Dayton it's right, Pike. In, yes. right next to the, creek um like flippers is it called flip underneath flippers underneath Bend? Flipper Bend. Yes. yeah when you go to the overlook at flipper Bend, you yeah. see the you see the pit there where they are uh harvesting dimensional stone which has been an educational thing to learn how tennessee law handles that and um how it permits that can can um can there be some kind of symbiotic relationship with harvesting stone and not harming doing environmental damage to the watershed uh well, it's an interesting question because the, in terms of stone, once stone goes away, it goes away. You know, those, right. those, those rocks are going to gardens in Florida and Georgia and things like that. And so that, what our concern is, is that pit's going to stay, you yes. know? Um, and, and while w- w- there's no way to fill in such a huge pit. So what we've been working on with the develop with the custom stone handlers as much as we can and with the city of Saudi Daisy is to make sure that what comes out of this is not just an empty pit, but something that is visually um, perhaps appealing, I hope. Um, but, uh, but we're really focused on the reclamation plan and trying to make sure that it's a, it's a sturdy stout reclamation. Plan. Do they have a end date as far as how long they can take rocks out and then 2022 2022 um now is that because they're going to run out of rocks at that point or is that that's just the end of the permit through the tennessee department of environment and conservation and so um and that's the end of the conditional permit that was retroactively sort of granted by saudi daisy after the fact um so we're we have our eyes on that day and wanting to make sure that six months after they finish there is um a property that will um, hopefully go to Ivy Academy and will be something that Ivy Academy wants to um, receive. And Ivy Academy is a school right across the street. It is. Yeah, and, and I believe they already have like a walking trail or a path they do. They do. going towards that area. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is this something that the, the stone company will try to resist and try to get an extension? No, no. Uh, and that's where, that's where we have seen progress is that the, the stone company has been in contact with uh, Ivy Academy has done, has done a lot of work for Ivy Academy in the past. They have a, they have a good relationship. Um, you know, and so, um, we're just trying to make sure that the size of the pit stays where it's permitted to stay Mm -hmm. and that, uh, it does not expand over its permit. Right now. Um, what is the, you called it a reading, reclamation, reclamation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the reclamation plan so far, what does that look like? Well, uh, it looks like uh, it's d- sort of depends on who you talk to. The, we have we have not seen a reclamation plan, a thorough reclamation plan that we think that we could say, okay, if that's what happens, then we're okay with it. We've been given guarantees about what that reclamation is going to look like, and we've seen some schematics. Um, and then, but 
you know, as of January, uh, I believe we received a reclamation plan from the city that we want to address certain aspects of. Can you um, get into some of those aspects or is it? Mainly that the, again, the, the, the pit size stays where it's supposed to stay under the permit, um, that any vegetation that goes there will be sustainable vegetation. So we don't, we wouldn't want to see someone throw out something that only lasts a season and then it's a pit again. Uh, we want to make sure that the easement, that the road, that, that an easement that the North Chickamauga Creek Conservancy negotiated to go through there to the pocket wilderness remains where we have concerns about encroachment, both because, because the creek moves there and because the pit is growing, we want to make sure that that easement is as it was agreed to be, which is vehicle access and hiker access. So we don't want it going down off a 30 foot drop and then across and then up a 30 foot drop. We want it to be something that a vehicle and a hiker can get through. And we've addressed that with Tennessee department of environment and conservation as well about the easement. Can you paint a picture what it looks like right now? What the pit looks like? Is it, is it level? Are they cutting out the side of the mountain or going down? Down. It's basically, if you were to, um, scoop out a giant rectangle and down in the pit, uh, they have, you know, different piles of stone and of different size and they take it across the street to a sorting facility, break it up into different you know size things. And then you see them on trucks heading, heading out. So when you go up to flipper bend, if you make it out to the overlook and you look off, you see exactly that just a giant square pit. And, and how deep is that? Oh, um, I can't recall, but, uh, at least 30 feet. Now, when they're, are they constantly pumping water out of this pit or does it self drain? It self drains. It's almost like an ideal French drain. So yeah, that's one reason why, um, it doesn't get as much attention as we think it should from the state level because there's no, uh, water running out of the pit. So if there were water running out of the pit, that's a big deal. Uh, and TDEC would watch it very closely because it would have a huge impact on the watershed as it goes down. Yes. But as it stands, water falls, goes into the bottom of the pit, it holds for a while, and then it just simply seeps out because it's like a giant French drain. But since it drains so well, um, is there any option? There's probably no option for making a pond or a small lake to make it look nicer in the city park or it's no and it's i think just... the plans i think the plans for uh it to go to ivy academy and i want to you know step lightly here because we're not again we're not really privy to a lot of those conversations is an outdoor outdoor space an outdoor classroom kind of space so they actually want it to be um a space where students could they could learn about rocks yeah and kind of learn about yeah or, or you know maybe uh, there's been mention of like a pavilion and, you know, maybe a garden or something like that, just depending on how the, the reclamation plan goes. We want it to be, we want it to be something that Ivy really values and is a great asset to Ivy. Um, and, and so we want to make sure that we have our eyes on that reclamation plan and that the pit's staying at the size that it's supposed to stay. And so that's sort of where our attention is focused in the matter. Do you know uh, if this company, where they're moving next? Um, they have operations throughout the Southeast and basically they just look for exactly what North Chickamauga Creek is, um, in terms of, uh, where a Creek has for, you know, thousands of years wandered back and forth and, and brought down these rounded boulders. Um, and so, uh, custom stone handlers operates in several States around us. And it was interesting to talk to the owner about the, um, various laws surrounding dimensional stone and, Tennessee's 
laws versus Georgia's laws and South Carolina's laws and things like that. And um, Tennessee is rather permissive of these types of operations. More so than Georgia or Alabama, or uh, according to Mister According to Mister Rich, yes. Yeah. Um, is anyone in legislation trying to pull back a little bit from the generosity of the looseness, maybe, of these laws? Not that we know of, but that has sort of been the lesson we've taken from this entire process. You know, when you first look at this operation, you think, "No way! This, you know, why would this get a permit?" But once you, we went all the way up to the state. We went all the way up to the offices of uh, TDEC in Nashville. And we were told that while there were irregularities with the permit at times and, and lapses in the permit at times, overall, they have a statutory obligation to permit these operations. And so they're actually obligated to give grantees permits. So what our lesson has been is we need to get together with other conservancies and, and alliances, you know, land trust alliance kind of stuff. And we need to talk about this issue and really take a close look at the state level laws, because if they are not serving us and our watersheds properly, we, we would like to see them changed. And so uh, it's going to take more than the, again, all volunteer board of the North Chickamauga Creek Conservancy to do that. But we have the dedication and the dedicated board members to get in touch with people and network. And that's our hope. So we're going to go, we've created, you know, proposals for a few sessions at sort of conferences and things like that to, to really get people to take a look at this issue of how their state treats dimensional stone and make sure that we uh, put pressure on lawmakers to have laws that serve the watersheds. Can you tell me uh, the history of your organization Yes. and when it started and, yeah. In, in 1989, it first started, and it was a uh, sort of friends of the North Chickamauga Creek Greenway, and that the Greenway, a Greenway through Hickson, which is um, still a process, was the original kind of vision that uh, uh, the Riverwalk would kind of go up through Hickson along North Chickamauga Creek all the way to where the Cumberland Trail is in the North Chickamauga Creek Gorge. Um, but as it grew, um, we had some very impressive. Board members and I, I like the I like the saying that you know we drink from wells that we didn't dig. So throughout the '90s, um, the board really aggressively worked to try and get the North Chickamauga Creek Gorge and the surrounding watershed areas into protection. And so they wound up. Sort of the model was to get donations or buy land or negotiate for land to go into state property and become part of the state natural area. So over. 14,000 acres. Uh, the, it used to be owned by Bowwater. They granted that to the state. And then uh, the the conservancy worked really hard to do the Flipper Bend area. And then when I came on, around when I came on, um, we, they were just completing a patent purchase, which was uh, up toward the the top of the watershed on the North Chickamauga Creek side, because there are several creeks. And that has led to the completion of the Cumberland, a new section of the Cumberland Trail. So, um, Started in 1989, uh, has done a lot of different things in acquiring properties throughout Hickson to kind of further the greenway uh, and then get as much as possible areas up in the watershed in state control for access, conservation, and education. Well, that seems um, pretty fast to me. So in 89, much of that was private land. Much of it, and most of it was bow water. Bow water, So they couldn't. You know, they could cut the top of the plateau, but they couldn't cut down into the gorge. And so that was the biggest chunk was yeah. when they were prepared to let go of it and they put it into state control. That, that was huge. That was 
pretty much worthless land for them anyway for as far as making money off it precisely which is which is so ironic because it's, it's the best part <laughs> it's the be- most beautiful part absolutely um was there in state incentives for them to do that? Did they get cheaper taxes for, or I would imagine. So I'm not real familiar with that. You know, I was at that point, I was just getting introduced to the North Chickamauga Creek Gorge as a kayaker. So, yeah, I, I mean, I remember we called it the Bowwater pocket wilderness. And I think I remember a Bowwater sign up there, but, uh, I wasn't familiar with how that transaction went down. And it seems like in this area in general, that's kind of the story of a lot of the protected watersheds is, old bow water land, mm-hmm. which, um, the tree industry is not doing so well. So they're releasing a lot of it. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And you know, it's just because that it wasn't profitable to cut is it, the reason why they're protected. And uh, am I right with, uh, is bow water a Canadian company? I'm not familiar with, I'm not sure. Okay. I think I heard that somewhere. It might be. Okay. Well that's, um, yeah, all that happened, uh, within 30 years. That's, yep. um, that's remarkable. Yeah. Um, and you have the Cumberland trail going through there. Yes. Is that section completed? The, uh, yes. Uh, there's a, there's an access up, uh, just off Taft highway on hall road and it connects all the way to Barker camp road, the access Mm -hmm. at Barker camp road. And then from Barker camp road and go all the way down to the Mont Lake road entry, which is probably the most popular entry to North Chickamauga Creek Gorge. That's where a lot of people go swim in the summertime. That's kind of where we love it to death. Yeah. Yeah. Love it to death. What do you mean by love it to death? What I mean by love it to death is that, uh, on a hot day, um, sometimes the parking lot is absolutely, absolutely packed and every swimming hole has 40 people there. And, uh, so it's it's a lot of cleanup once that season ends. And, and unfortunately sometimes the, our, our partners at the, um, the park rangers uh, have to be relegated to being traffic control rather than rangers because the flood of people that go up there, which is so happy that people are passionate and enjoy the Creek, but sometimes we do crowd it out a little bit. Well, the last time I was up there, it looked like you improved the parking lot. Yes. How did you come up with funds for doing that? That was actually the Tennessee state park, the government of the trail state park. So um, that division of TDEC uh, decided that, uh, they wanted to improve that and install, I believe, electricity because I think the long-term plan is for there to be a ranger station kiosk. They've been talking about it for a long time right there um, for the Cumberland Trail. What would the kiosks um, serve as? Would there be someone on staff there? Yes. So I guess kiosk may not be the right word. Sure, but it would a little be cabin like, or something. Yeah, yeah something. exactly. A little station. Like exactly what they have in Savage Golf. At Stone Precisely. Door, they have a little 12 by 24 Exactly. Yeah. And that's probably what it would look like. And it would just be, uh, it would be, um, a situation where there'd be a ranger there on site. And you can sign in so they know who's there, who's not. Right. They might control, you know, some of the backcountry camping and, uh, right. Give people information and, uh, really probably make the, make it, uh, a little more, I guess parking might be a little bit more restrictive or, you know, just so those on those really, really crowded days, it's not, the situation that it currently is. Oh, cause it's almost, um, is it too much parking now where if you can just really pack them in? Oh yeah. And there's no, you know, it's just a gravel parking lot so people can get creative with their parking. Yeah. And so there's a lot of new signage and, uh, yeah. and things like that to kind of, kind of control that. Are, are there restrooms right there? No. Okay. Mm-mm. All right. And, um, why, why is, what's the reason for the gate to, cause I, you close at dusk or so. Mm hmm. And is what's that for? I think that's just um, uh, 
just because it's a day use area, uh, according to the state. And so, um, uh, as far as I know, that's what it is. So, um, but we are, uh, we had a good relationship with the folks who opened the gate and closed the gate. And one of them actually checks the level of the Creek. So for all the kayakers, you know, he's the one there. Uh, David Cox is the one there every morning, snapping a picture of the gauge and putting it up on Facebook. So, you know, it's oh, 7, 15 a.m. Really? He does that every day? Just yeah. for, well, anytime when it, when, when it, it's raining, yeah, when, it's when it's raining, when it could it. be running, yeah. you can count on him. Call We call him the mayor. Wow. Uh, he's, he's always posting that. So that's, uh, that's a, a good service. That's a very helpful thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> now, if you, there are designated camping spots on the Cumberland and mm-hmm. if you were to want, if you were to camp overnight, can you park there yes. and leave your car? Do you leave a note on the windshield? Or? That's always a good idea. Well, I don't know if that's a good idea, but, um, there, there is an online platform and, uh, the site escapes me right now. Um, but where you just simply, res- you kind of say that you're going to be at that campground yeah. and you describe your vehicle. Um, at least the last time I camped that, that's the way it Is was. Is that the Cumberland Trail website? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Um, man, that's fascinating. It's, that's one of the best creeks we have around here. It's. I agree. The, it's huge. It's the biggest gorge really around here. I would say the next one, I don't know, Cloudland Canyon or. Maybe, yeah, yeah, Rock Wave. Creek is a big gorge. Rock up Creek. In, um, yep. Sail Creek. Um, so. There's some there's some big gorges, but it is definitely one that has the most. I think it has the most uh, variety and and access, and and it's just it's beautiful. And you know when you got Cooper Creek coming into it, you've got Cane Creek coming into it, and then North Chick goes all the way to the back of Walden, and then it cuts the whole Walden Ridge in half. It does, yeah. It's fantastic. Absolutely, and and then you know for the for those who you know want a more mellow or, or flat water experience, it winds about 17 miles through Hickson. And there are places in Hickson where it almost, you know, these big um, horseshoes where the river comes within a quarter mile of itself. So you can do this huge loop and walk back to your car, you know, and pick up your car. Um, so we love, uh, as kayakers, we love the upper part of the gorge. But, you know, one thing about being involved with the conservancy has taught me and kind of going and looking at our properties down through the lower part of the gorge, how many wonderful recreational opportunities there are throughout Hickson. I think a lot of people drive over North Chick three or four times a day and don't think of it as a place where they could go fishing or think of it as a place where they go for a swim. Um, but there are a lot of people who are, you know, passionately about that. And we try and, you know, marshal some people to, it can sometimes get choked with trees, you know, after a season of rain, but, uh, it's a great place to go recreate. Yeah. It is, uh, um, is it open right now? Is there a lot of trees down or is anyone uh, on a regular basis maintaining the tree tree problem? No one on a regular basis is, but if anytime you go out there, you see that there, we've been the people for a while who were kind of trying to keep clear from about um, the right by earth fair where there's a TWRA access. Mm-hmm. We were trying to keep that clear from there to the river. Um, and, you know, we check it, periodically and uh, there's a big clog we got to go out there and do what we can there are some uh regulations about what you can and cannot cut that i think i don't think a lot of people know about based on where twra property is which a lot of that property is twra property of course they look at a tree in the creek as habitat so you have to be very careful about we have to be careful about that but last when we were really looking at it, it was typically you were able to to paddle from that earth fair 
put into the river. And of course, from the the Greenway, it typically stays pretty clear to all the areas around the Greenway. Right. So it, it's is it about 17 miles, you said? Is that from Saudi all the way in? Yes, I believe so. Lake? I yeah. think that's what we clocked. One time, uh, a couple of friends and I, uh, I went with them as far as Lower Mill Road, but they paddled from the top of Cane Creek to the river. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're in the whitewater boats. Yeah. And I boats. think they, somebody had a Strava or I think it was, yeah. it wound up being about, yeah, 28 miles or something. That's really cool. Miles. Yeah. It was a great day. Yeah. I'm not a whitewater kayaker, but I would like to paddle the lower section. It's beautiful. That'd it's beautiful be in the fall. Um, it's really nice. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. And, uh, and there are all kinds of access points. Is, um, it, is it deep enough in the summer once, um, and when it's dry, it can get, it can get pretty low in the summertime. But, uh, you know, right now it'd be good because we just had that, that pretty big rain last week. And, um, and there's always a pool to swim in, um, in the summertime, especially as you get down toward Greenway, it gets pretty deep. And then a lot of times there's water coming up from the river. Sometimes you'll be sitting there and you're like, wait, that's going upstream. And it's just because TVA is letting out a lot of water. Can you, I don't think very many people even think about that lower section. Mm -hmm. Um, can you tell me some history about that and trying to acquire land access to potentially take the Cumberland Trail through there? I know it's a nightmare. There's um, what seems like a hundred different property owners you'd have to go through to get a hiking trail or uh, a bike path or something through. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me if what the goal is or if there still is the goal of making Greenway there? There's definitely still the goal. And... Um and there are some people who are working very hard on it. As you note, it is an immense challenge because you're going through a residential area where there are a lot of property owners. So you cannot, you know, trying to piece it together easement by easement along the creek isn't really realistic. But we've worked with folks who have gotten creative with the different kind of maps. And the North Chickamauga Creek Conservancy acquired several properties with the hope that they would be able to be used for the Greenway, A, or B, they might have some other purpose because they're on the creek. So we have a peninsular property behind Hickson High School that's really cool. And we, you know, we cleared that out, part of that out with cleared out some privet and they had a they had an ROTC obstacle course there for a while. But it's it's a it's one of the properties that would link uh kind of over toward uh Rogers branch, which North Chickamauga Creek Conservancy helped get into TWRA control way back. Um so there is a there is a map and there is a plan. It would require bridges. It would require cooperation from TWRA. And TWRA has a policy where uh, they have a two-to-one land swap policy. So if you're going to try and take a trail across TWRA property and you're going to sacrifice an acre of their property for hunting, they require you to supply two desirable acres of property elsewhere, which gets to be a real challenge when you're trying to do a long run across say Rogers branch or along the Creek, uh, behind the clear Creek church of Christ or something like that. But, you know, throughout the history of the greenway, there have been these, there's been progress and momentum. And then sometimes it'll be one little issue of this spot. We can't get across Hicks and Pike right here. We got to figure out how to do that. And it can kind of stall it out. And that's really disappointing because then it kind of kills the momentum that you had. Um, but one piece that's kind of coming down from a, from a larger perspective is the great Eastern trail, which is trying to link the Cumberland trail and a series of other trails throughout the Eastern United States to almost be like a, a kind of an Appalachian trail, but with a little bit more of, you know, stays in town a little bit more. And so we're hoping that 
some of the momentum of the Great Eastern Trail will influence local leadership to take another look at this North Chickamauga Creek Greenway because there have been plans that have been viable. Um, it just takes the will. And a lot of the focus of, um, you know, Chattanooga in-town trail development has been elsewhere lately, you know, um, over towards South Chick. There's been a ton of great work that's been going on, but the North Chick Greenway has kind of been in the background for a little while. Is, is there a rivalry between the North Chick and the South Chick? There's not. Uh, there's not a North Chick, South Chick rivalry that I know of. I mean, because, you know, as a kayaker, we're like, North Chick's got that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, you get the elevation. <laughs> but but I think a lot of Chattanooga paddle borders and things like that, you know, South Chick is fantastic. Yeah, so I've done the South Chicks because I paddleboard and right. kayak. And the South Chick's kind of a pain in the butt. There's that big pipe. That's yep. right by Hooters. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go over and right. step onto. Actually, you gotta step onto the airport land, which um, I think they own it right there. And that's oh, wow. not necessarily a good thing to be yeah. walking on airport land. But it'd be nice that pipe wasn't there. Are you yeah. familiar with that one? I am. I've seen it, but uh, but I have not paddled the South Chick as much. Uh, yeah, I guess it's when I'm when I'm gonna flatwater paddle. I head over to the Greenway and I put in and. Uh, kind of do that on the flat water. And I think they're almost done connecting, finishing the South Chick to Camp Jordan. Yes. Which is so cool. It is so cool. It is really, really cool. And, uh, and it shows that it can be done. So I'm just, I'm just hopeful that when, once that stuff is complete and these people are looking around that North Chick Greenway through Hickson gets their attention. Um, I'm yes. I want that to happen so badly. Um, what would what do you think the best way if they make a trail to connect to the North Chick? How would you get across the river? Okay, so that is the big challenge. Uh, the current plan would be to use the CB Robinson Bridge, um, but the CB Robinson Bridge is not does not have some critical infrastructure that is required for a pedestrian bridge. And it seems strange that a bridge that goes from one industrial area over to, you know, that takes massive trucks doesn't have the necessary infrastructure for pedestrian bridge, but that is what we learned in a working group that kind of looked at it. And some of those things that it would need are rather costly, like in the millions. And so what are the things that it's missing? You know, I I can't quite recall. um, But I think, like, it, gar- like guardrail height. I think it's guardrail. I think I think it's um, but I think it's space between you know if you're going to have um, if you're going to have high speed traffic and pedestrian, there have to be certain guarantees yeah. of space and safety and like you said, guardrail perhaps. Um, but I'm not totally sure. I, it's yeah. been some years since that was being discussed. And I'm sure I'm not going to come up with the genius idea here. You guys have studied it, but um, can you just drop the speed limit down? Probably could. That'd be the cheap version. I'm not sure if it's this. I'm not sure if it's the speed limit, or I, I just don't know. You know, yeah. so I'm just. I, I remember though that we we learned that it would be very expensive to um, to do what needed to be done to CB Robinson bridge. Have you heard and at that point? I suggest suggested just a big old rope swing or you know, just a big old rope bridge across there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that would never go. No, but I, <laughs> I had Jim Johnson on the show and, um, he, I think, I think it was Jim is either Jim or Tim Kelly. I don't remember now, but someone, um, said the plan is to have the Brit have underneath a bridge. Yes. 
Is that the current plan? I think that was. And so, that, so you were close, just not made out of ropes. Right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, we've looked at it so many times, I can't remember what the latest iteration was. Yeah. But, but there was talk of a walkway under the bridge. And that's ironically cheaper than a walkway perhaps, on top of the bridge. Perhaps. I'm not real sure. Not I real think sure. that's the ma- that's the big hurdle. It is. Because um, I want everybody to be able to use the beautiful river trail that we have in Hickson and Lupton City. It's more difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Definitely you is. just can't, there's no side, there's nothing to get right. across. Right. Cool. Yeah. And then, you know, the Greenway is so great, but it would be great if you could connect the Greenway to, you know, if you could connect the Greenway to um, the Gorge, it would be. It'd be huge. And I, I think it'd be really good for Hickson. I think it'd be good for um, a lot of businesses in Hickson because, you know, you stop at Loopy's Pizza while you're on your own big old hike. How would you connect the gorge to the Greenway? You mean the route? Yeah. Well, uh, maps that I've seen, I've seen a wide variety of maps. Um, there's a lot of TWA, again, there's a lot of TWRA property, but the TWRA property. The two to one ratio. Two to one ratio kind of knocks it out. Is, is that, do you prefer the two to one ratio or the, the using money? I would, I would prefer, you know, property acquisition and, yeah. and easement acquisition. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about it is there are so many sections where the most direct route is across TWRA property and you're walking in the woods yeah. and it's already state land, you mm-hmm. know, so. Um, I think that if it weren't for that policy, we would, we would have a lot more momentum and you could connect huge chunks. Yeah. For example, uh, between, uh, Thrasher Pike and Boy Scout road, you would have three options. You could go up onto the top of the hill and go, you know, where there's a, where there's a water tower. I don't know Boy Scout okay. Road. Boy Scout Road is uh, basically one right where 153 and 27 meet. Yes. Okay. So, yes. so basically that exit from 153 exit to uh, Thrasher Pike, where you get to North Chick, you could go along the highway. There's been one floated option, mm-hmm. but is that the best trail? Is that the trail I'm going to want to go, um, go walk along highway 27? Yeah. You could Adjacent to it is a TWRA property. It typically floods a lot. So you'd probably, you might have to do a boardwalk or something like that. It gets really expensive. Yeah. And then up on the hill, you have private property where mm-hmm. you'd have to go through easements, including one that's the water company. And so water company has security concerns about letting anyone walk across property where they're storing water. You know, so those are the kinds of things where we have sat down and we have gone over so many different scenarios and, and tried to start talking about this and then you get this piece kind of figured out and then you you turn around and you're like, okay, well, once we get to boy scout road, that's a high traffic narrow spot. You have the hillside and the Creek. So how are we going to get, how are we going to get through there? Are we going to cut into the hillside for a sidewalk? And so it's just, uh, it's just, it, it's a lot of, a lot of problems that need to be overcome that I think can be overcome if, if, if leader, if local leadership is committed to doing it, you know, but when you have, um, a group of partners in Hickson who are trying to approach landowners and plus, if I'm a landowner, am I going to grant an easement, um, to, through this property, you know, without knowing that this is going, this is on its way, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I think momentum feeds momentum and it needs some momentum. Sure. Cause if, if everyone else just signed the easement, uh, you know, it, it, it's easier. And if you're like, Hey, we're trying to get this done in two years or something. Yeah. It'd be easier. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a lot of uh North chick. It's a lot of North chick. <laughs> you're doing a good job over there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I love the North chick. Um, just out of curiosity, what's your second favorite river or creek? Uh, river would be the Chattooga River down the border of Georgia and South Carolina, National mm-hmm. Wild and Scenic River. It's 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 excellent. Uh, in terms of creeks locally, ooh, I really like Richland Creek up in uh, Dayton. Um, I, whew, that's hard. That's like choosing between children. I like Falling Water Creek. Um, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, we live, the, the, the Walden's Ridge is a buffet of excellent class five creeks. And so it's such a, such a wonderful place to live if, if that's what your hobby is. Because when it, when everyone else is complaining about when will it stop raining, you're saying never, please never. <laughs> I know that's so funny. Um, do you know the history of, people trying to run middle Creek. I know, uh, of some people trying to run middle Creek. I have tried to run middle Creek. You're one of the guys. Um, I don't know. What, what have you heard? Well, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's ever been done. I mean, yes, yes. it has. Yep. Has anyone ran the falls? Uh, no. Is that possible? I don't think so. I believe that there's a rock that's maybe only about seven or eight feet under the, uh, landing. Yeah. Because I remember when I, I grew up going down there and right. going from swimming hole to swimming hole. Right. And we used to always stand on a rock that was under the flow. And so I think that that would preclude a safe run of the, the falls. So have you ran it from the falls down? Or? We, we we had a big water day at one point and uh, we put on, we ran a few drops and there was just wood and everything. And so it became pretty clear that uh, we were going to be carrying the whole thing. And so we just, we pretty much carried the whole, we, we, we had a great day of walking our boats down the mountain. Oh, that counts. I mean. <laughs> no. Uh, and then we used to, um, there's a, there's a drop at the very bottom that we used to sometimes, uh, carry our boats up and, and run when there was good water, just run the last drop. And yeah. Paddle out yeah. It, was, it was kind of a good clean drop, but, uh, yes, it has been, it has been run by, by some, some brave folks, but it is a, it's a stout run. Yeah. Are, are there any creeks left that haven't been ran yet? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Most of them are pretty high up in the tributaries, you know, like little, you know, little tributaries of the more common creeks. But yeah, yeah there are, there are creeks that have not been run. Um, you hear of a first descent every once in a while. There's still a lot of people who are busting out their topo maps and trying to find that next gym. Right. Um, that's not me anymore. I'm, I mean, I swear I, I'm a broken record. Every time it rains, I'm headed for North Chickamauga Creek. Yeah. It just feels good. You know, it's like coming home and, uh, I'm old and lazy and don't like getting nervous. So, <laughs> so it's comfortable. You so used to it. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't call you lazy, but <laughs> you might be old. I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, let's talk about Walden's Ridge. Sure. Walden's Ridge Park. Yeah. What do you know about it? So Walden's Ridge Park is an, incredible collaborative effort. Uh, and I think that, um, that's, that's what excites me most is that, uh, 
an idea got that momentum. Like we were talking about with the Greenway, it got momentum simply because uh, a few organizations got together and said, yeah, we can do this and it's awesome. So um, when I was president of the organization, I kind of saw all these properties paying property taxes one year. And I was like, what are we, what are we doing with these? What are we doing with these properties? I'm going to go visit all these properties and see what we're doing with them. And really kind of apply a question of what can we do for education, for access, for conservation? What is the point of this property? For, for time scale, um, about how many years ago was that? That was 2016. Thought? Okay. 2016, not that long ago. 2016. Yep. Yeah. Just kind of said, let's go look at all of our properties and one property in particular, you know, there, we have a lot of properties in Hickson that are on the side of the Creek and that made sense as we discussed, but this one property was just a big flag property on the side of the mountain between the W road and mountain Creek road. And it was, I started doing some research on it and it was donated by a family kind of to protect the, the view of the W road so that when you're looking off from the W road, you weren't looking at houses, you weren't looking at anything like that. And so I, I went and walked the property a couple of times and I walked the property once with uh, Joel Hauser, who is now at open space Institute, but at the time he's with the land trust for Tennessee. Cause I was kind of like, you know, let's talk to these guys. They're creative. They know land. And, and if, if it's not good for us to have it, what can we do with it? What are the options? And, and just to, um, for clarification, um, the property was owned by uh, the North chick. Um, when I went and walked, when you went and walked. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was sort of like, okay, I could see why we had all these properties, but this property is way out of our watershed. It's not even in the watershed. Not even in the watershed. But it was somehow donated. Why was it donated to your, um, organization instead of something else sort of a relationship that 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 the the original landowner had i think with someone in our organization who said yeah we'll we'll take that we'll we'll hold that land in conservation okay and you do still have to pay property taxes on it sure okay yeah if we own it you know if if we turn it over to the state we don't so that's why that was kind of a, a big thing that that we used to do is just get it and turn it over to the state yeah um so we scratching our heads and we tried to see what we would do with it. And, and it was intentionally donated in a way where there, there were two parcels carved out. So it wouldn't have access to the property from the road. So it would just be this sort of conserved property out there. So we started thinking and we said, well, let's, I wonder if we could get those, uh, other parcels because we had seen that it has an old roadbed on it. So it could be a natural place for a trail. It has excellent boulders on it. Dozens, a couple dozen boulders that are really nice for climbing up on this shelf. And we're like, you know, people might really enjoy using this space. And this might be a spot that's close to town where, you know, people might want to come spend the afternoon or the morning. And how many acres is this? The original parcel was 117. Okay. But we went back to the family who donated the original and we said, would you be interested in donating the rest of it? Those other two parcels to, to provide access. And they said, I tell you what, we're planning on selling it. We'll put it up for sale. If it doesn't sell by September 30th, we'll donate it. So we waited and it, September 30th passed. They kept their word. They said, okay, we're going to donate it. And at that point we said, okay, let's get together with local partners and see what we can do to create a park. Because at that point it kind of formed in our mind, if we're going to provide access, we can get, uh, get it into a park. So we got together with the Southeastern climbing coalition, we got together with the access fund. We got together, of course, land trust for Tennessee. We're meeting at their offices and, um, and, uh, we got together with the Southern North road biking association, Sorba. And everybody said, saw something in the property where they said, yes, this, our user group would appreciate using this property. And so we started thinking about how that would work. 
we're not in the business of holding a part or managing a part. So one of the big things we needed to do was get it into the hands of someone who would hold it and maintain it. And so we reached out to um, Tom Lamb at uh, the Hamlin County Parks and Recreation. And he said, this is a good idea. And he helped guide us as to how we could get it in front of the county commission to have them accept the park once we had completed work on it. And so uh, we got that done, uh, you know, kind of approached the county and said, Norchick owns this property, but we would like to put a park on it. And we'd like to know if you'd like that park. And just so you know, our plan is for it to be built when you get it and for it to be a one of a kind park. It's not going to be, it's going to be a downhill mountain bike park. It's going to have climbing features. So it's going to be something that's not like another Hamlin County park. And so we were really, really excited after that meeting where they voted to say, Hey, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> I thought that was a no brainer decision, but you know, we had to do some work to, to push it through. Well, and once they take it, it's, it, they have to spend money to maintain it precisely. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so there, yeah, there were considerations and, uh, but the fact that it would be built out by the time they got it and built out well, no, that's nice. That's nice. Um, so, uh, our group kept kept working, and we um, we got a, we applied for a recreational trails program, an RTP grant, and we got that grant. Uh, Is that from the federal government or that's a from state? TDEC. TDEC. Yeah, Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation. So uh, a lot of good trail systems have been built through the recreational trails program grant, and so uh, we got grants from. And then we got the RTP grant. Uh, we got a grant from Lynnhurst to start doing some work. You know, they saw what we were doing. They liked the cooperation and we appreciate that. We got a grant from Hydro Flask and, and REI. And so the fundraising really kicked in, but that RTP grant was the big piece that we were allow. We are now able to hire out a, a pretty one of a kind trail building organization called trail solutions, uh, division of IMBA international mountain biking association, uh, to come in and when they could put their eyes on the property, they, they said, we can do a lot with this, and we're really excited about this. And so they put together a really uh, good plan. And so now we're in the phase where we're bringing them in to start moving, you know, moving some rocks, building some trail. And the climbers have done a fantastic job of um, preparing the boulders, you know, landing areas and things like that and cleaning off the boulders. And we are building trail, and we're really excited. Is the Mountain Biking Association, are they building the hiking trails too or just the mountain biking trails? They're mainly focused on the mountain biking trails. Some of their trails may be dual use, um, uh, but uh, the hiking component, we might just, we'll probably just go out there and do it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Build some good old trail. Um, What's the mountain biking trails? What are they going to be like? So the property is on a slope, you know, from the W road on down to, uh, Reeds Lake road and mountain Creek road. So you're basically going to have a perimeter trail that gets you kind of flat and along the top that gets you out toward the boulders. And then from there you can drop down. So it almost, if you can imagine a ski mountain where you have a nice green that goes out and then you can take this blue or this black or this green and cruise down the mountain and then at the bottom of the mountain we're working on access down there to see how that's going to look at the bottom but probably another one of those sort of cross trails that catches everything takes it back up at the bottom there's a really pretty spring where water just kind of comes out of the mountain and we want to make that part of the you know 
something that people put their eyes on when they're hiking and, and, and riding. What's that spring called? Reed Spring. I believe. Reed Spring. It's basically the creek that cascades off to the off the W. When yeah, it's, when, when it's raining, rain, you see it that drops water. underground and then oh. pops out. It's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Now, is it going to be parking at the top? Yes. Now, how many cars do you think you can shove up in there? We. <laughs> <laughs> it's look. It's uh, it's about a five acre platform up there, and we're we're hoping to get you know a couple dozen cars or more oh that's great yeah it's not going to be like you're pulling off on the side of a gravel road it's going to be a parking lot yeah um and it's a good it's a good flat shelf um so that's that's what our hope is at the top and then we're we're working on parking at the bottom mm-hmm. with uh pratt builders is that who you yes are? the developer the jason developer has has um excited to submit a plan that would help our part greatly um by providing parking that's in front of the current uh the parking that's basically there already mm-hmm. you was for the um former golf course yeah the um quarry is that yeah, what that the was quarry golf course yeah and a private and company yes developer bought that yes and it's, yeah um is that so he's working towards a proposal to giving you access Correct. When does that um, uh, proposal get accepted or declined? Uh, that proposal um, will go in next month, uh, which will be late November. Mm-hmm. And then it should go in front of the city council in January. Okay. Um, if that gets accepted, um, then do you work double time to work on it from the bottom. Are you able to get access now just to build the trails? Are you doing everything from the top? We're doing everything from the top because that's that. And that's what we, that's what we need to do. And so that's not a big deal. Okay. Um, what we're, what we're excited about is being able to, uh, firmly identify where the parking will sit at the bottom so that we can design out the bottom in the best way for whatever access point we use. Will you have any mountain bike trails um, that have maintained jumps and um, real smooth stuff like where clay's coming in or? No, this will primarily be terrain, terrain, riding terrain. And the the jump that you would have on the terrain would be one that is from a natural feature. Right. Just more of a drop off from a rock. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. Yeah. So there's so many organizations a part of this. I was wondering if you could go through. Sure. All of them, um, as you said, you mentioned um, Sorba, Access Fund. Um, can you, for people that don't know, sure. briefly explain what they all are? All right. So uh, I'll start with um, the Land Trust for Tennessee. Uh, they, land Trust for Tennessee just looks to uh, preserve land throughout Tennessee in a variety of ways. This might, uh, this might be a unique uh, project for them. Um, but they preserve a lot of family, you know, farmland, family farms. They'll hold easements on all types of property just to keep the, the property the way that it is. And so a landowner can go to them and say, you know, I want to, I want to write into this easement that this is going to be the way that the, the, um, land's going to stay for a long time. They do great work. They're very active. Um, Chad Weichel is, uh, the local representative and I, on, I think the other day I was hearing him say that they've got 400 active projects, you know, so they're just extremely active and they were so receptive to this idea from the very start and, and really helped us jump start it and have been enthusiastic partners throughout. 
Is there an example of, of one property that we might all know of that they're managing mm. or have the easement to? Off the top of my head, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now because I, but I, but um, I don't know. I, I, I was know. just thinking of Mountain Cove Farms. Very likely. It's very it just likely. seemed like when you were describing it, that would be kind of something that is that. Am I? And if they don't manage that, is that at least an example of what they may do? Yes, that's like kind of. I think so. I'm, I'm not extremely familiar with Mountain Cove Farms, but um, if you've you know. Uh, if a, if an organization is, is wanting to ensure that they, a piece of land will stay in conservation forever, they're the ones that you call. They've got, um, um, well, and they monitor these easements throughout the years. So they go around and make sure that the land is staying the way it is and it's yeah. being used in the proper, it's a lot of work, but they're, they do some great work. Um, but yeah, like a lot of farms, um, and, uh, and, other recreational areas, I believe. You Maybe know. even Frick's Cave Preserve. Have you have you heard of that one? Mm-mm. Okay, I'm just guessing. Oh. <laughs> I need to get their map. They've got a map that shows oh, nice. all their all their different um, projects. Then we have the uh, Southeastern Climbing Coalition. Yeah, uh, they've very active in the area. A lot of climbing areas, and they jumped on board. Uh, and they've been, like as I said, uh, preparing the boulders and building landings and you know again they're very active got a lot of got a lot of cool projects going on and we're enthusiastic from the start with us and then the southern off-road biking association or sorba um they worked really hard on the rtp they worked really hard to advise us on who you know who we should use for the trail building and putting out the bids and things like that and they get out there every Wednesday afternoon and they're actually building trail. And, and we, early in the summer, we had the trail solutions builders come in and give us a clinic on how to build the trail. And it was really cool because I've cut a lot of trail and, uh, these guys take it to a whole new level. You know, like if, if, if you're going through a rock garden, you don't just move the rocks to the side and, and, and get down to dirt and cut through, you replace the rocks, but you replace them in a way like you're building a, a horizontal wall. And so these trails and you cut drains here and, and it was really funny cause you know, the guy was like, okay, imagine you, know, I want you to go down the trail this way and look at what you just built and think about that. Think about you approaching that on a bicycle. Now go down the other side of the trail. Imagine you're coming back up that way. What do you see from that angle? And so, you know, not just like hacking at the trail, like I do, this is like, you gotta, <laughs> you have to build it. it. And so, uh, that was a really good experience. And we built, you know, we spent an entire day on, uh, you know, 60 yard section of trail, just putting rocks in and, but it was really rewarding. Well, Sorba had a couple of few people there to learn how to do the trail and, and so did Southeastern climbers. And so they go out there every Wednesday afternoon and they're actually building trail. So, you know, it's going to be gratifying for them to ride over stuff that they built. Absolutely. Yeah. And they've of course done great work around the area, you know, um, partnering for, for, a lot of great mountain biking trails around, around the area. And so worked with them. And then early on the access fund was, was helping us kind of look at ways, you know, from a climber's perspective, how to kind of get in there and and generate enthusiasm for the park. So those are the primary partners. The access fund, is that a climbing? It is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that was 
mostly it. Um, what is when is the day um, you anticipate handing this over to Hamilton County? We're hoping to complete the park in the fall 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, original construction was slated to begin in the fall, but uh, partly due to the uncertainty about the parking situation at the bottom and wanting to make sure that we knew what we were cutting toward before we start cutting. We've kind of uh, pushed off the, the, the heavy lifting of the trail solutions until uh, early spring. And, um, and so fall 2021 is our target. Is there a particular time of year that um, is more conducive to building trail? You know, uh, I would want to be out there right now. Me too. It is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, and I would not want to be out there in July because, uh, you know, ticks and poison, you know, ticks and poison <laughs> ivy, the nemesis thing. of what makes the Southeast so wonderful. Yeah. Right. Um, and heat and humidity. Yeah. But, uh, but a lot of, they're going to do some machine work. Um, and so I'm thinking, I'm thinking the spring, as long as we have a, you know, I don't ever want to wish as a kayaker for a dry spring, but <laughs> of course not. Maybe if we have a dryish spring, uh, they can make a lot of progress in the spring. Well, we're coming off of two monster wet years. We are. What's your prediction for this this winter? And keep it rolling. <laughs> <laughs> those no. those flooded houses yeah. in the gorge. Well, we're at we're at Hurricane Zeta right now, so you know. Yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, we have had some some years of some real rain years. It's been impressive. And we can talk about this later, but I um. If you know anyone at TVA, I'd love to talk to them about the floods we've been getting and how the whole dam system is connected and how they manage that and decide when to let. Yeah. I'm fascinated with that. Yep. And Absolutely. Just off the record, if you know anybody. Cool. We'll, I, if I, if I, I don't know too many people at TVA, but if something pops up in my head, I think maybe one of my brother's friends, I will, uh, I'll let you know. We've just had 200 year floods back to back. Yep. And two record-breaking uh, rainfalls um, yes. in TVA recorded history starting in the 40s, maybe. I'm yeah. not sure when they started. Are you talking about the Easter Easter tornado rain? Um. Yeah. That, uh, Norchik, ch- it changed. Did, did it move boulders? Oh, it moved tons of boulders. There was one rapid where a boulder, I don't know, like a, a house-sized boulder just plugged the end of the rapid and then it moved i i get the sense that something changed even then from the last hurricane but if you were to go up into the upper reaches of the watershed uh where the where sort of like where you're in a hemlock grove with rhododendrons on the side of the yeah. creek it was just scoured clean it was like sand everywhere and all the leaves were pressed into the trees above it and you could just see where that storm dumped so much water so fast that it was almost just like a dam breaking up there and just scouring the upper part of the watershed. And it definitely changed so many structures on the sections of the creek that we paddle. I I was up there and I saw evidence of flooding that looked to be 20 feet above. And I'm just trying to visualize that. And um, that's amazing. It is. That's straight up flash flood stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's amazing the power of water. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, did it make it more fun? Did this? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, it it 
kind of changed one of our favorite rapids uh, to the degree where I haven't I haven't run it since then because it just kind of looks a little different. I want to get a good good set of eyes on it, and most of the time when I'm going down, it's like okay, it's after work, got to push pushing daylight. But um, uh, but it changed one of the rapids. I I hope that it changes it back. Big rain comes and, and switches it back, and I hope it's not uh, unrunnable now. Did, um, oh, did it make it more dangerous? Well, I think it just diverted the water to where the, the the critical move you have to make is a little bit harder, and then it almost looks like it may have moved a rock into the landing of the drop. So, um, so I and then you know push some trees around and things like that. So you always got to be on the lookout after a big rain like that as to what has changed. Were you able to scout it in, in August when it was pretty dry? Um, well, you kind of so- want to. I, I guess I saw that it was different. Um, once in the summer, but I was, I was, it, the, we were putting in below it because it was kind of a low run. Yeah. Um, so I just saw that it was different, but I haven't really been able to, and if you go in there without water, you can kind of see it's different, but you got to have the water in there to know what I do that. Yeah. Ever. That's yeah. I'm not a kayaker. I was just wondering, uh, yeah. you know, you could actually have your eyes on the rock that moved or yeah, I need to, but yeah, that's interesting. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, do you do anything besides paddling? Is that like your, any other? That's my thing. That's the great irony of the Walden's Ridge Park is that I'm spending all this time making a spot for mountain bikers and climbers and I, I don't do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I work with uh, Baylor schools walkabout program. So, you know, we take kids out bouldering and climbing and I do, I do it, but on the weekends, you know, I'm not someone who's out there necessarily doing that. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're a water guy. I'm a water guy. I fall hard yeah. and break easy. So, so I gotta be, I gotta be on the water. Softer landing yes, sometimes. Absolutely. Softer landing. Uh, have you been able to kayak, um, anywhere exotic in the world or out West or? Yeah. So, um, uh, with the school in the normal year, um, we traveled to, uh, Panama each year to go kayaking. And then, um, uh, about six or seven times I've been to India to go kayaking. Wow. Taking students over there on a kayaking trip. White, white water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a lot of students at kayak at Baylor? Uh, we, and it, it ebbs and flows, but, uh, we get a lot of good kayakers coming through. Uh, and we, um, enough to field those trips each year. That's amazing yeah and those trips can be beginner they're typically beginner level so we can get someone who can learn how to get on the okoe in the summertime and then be good enough to go on those trips do you um use utc's pool to teach them how to roll and things like that we actually use baylor's pool oh ba- oh yeah uh, yeah that, that makes yeah sense. um to do to, to teach them how to roll and then get them out on the river Man, I'm I'm uh, jealous. I, w- I wish my school had some <laughs> programs like yes, that. When I, I hear that a lot, you know, uh, we we had soccer and basketball and track, right? So, right. But and I tell students, you know, you're gonna go, you're gonna go off to school, and and people are gonna you're gonna tell them that you went kayaking in Panama and with your school, and their jaw is gonna drop, and they're gonna give you an envious look because it's just such a huge opportunity. Is there good white water in Panama? Excellent white water in Panama. Yeah. And then in India as well. India, is definitely. It, is it cold? Is it coming off the, the Himalayas? Uh, some of the some of the rivers in India are coming off the Himalayas and they're cold. Um, but um, India has, we've seen since we first went there in, um, let's see, 2005, uh, we've seen a lot of dam projects. A lot of dam projects. Being put up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, diversion projects. Taking, yeah. Taking rivers through mountains. And so, um, a lot of them like rivers here are not free flowing. So 
you're either getting the, the water from the top of the lake, which is warmer, or the bottom of the lake, which is the Nanahala freezing yeah. cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, 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 you know, a lot of the runs that we were, several runs that we were doing when we first went there are gone just under a lake. So, um, What are your thoughts on dams? And <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts on dams? Um, I think we've, I think we've done enough now. <laughs> uh, I was just reading with my students down the river by Edward Abbey, um, about his descent of Glen Canyon before the Glen Canyon dam was put up to create Lake Powell at the top of the Grand Canyon. Okay. And it's just, um, it's, it's sad what was lost. Um, and to think that, uh, John Wesley Powell's signatures on the rock, you know, watching the water go up over those, uh, and, and, and all the side canyons that were lost. I recognize that dams, you know, environmentally, it's a, it's a sustainable form of, you know, electric electricity of energy, you know, and I know that they've, they've been instrumental in flood control and things like that. But of course I just don't like seeing them. I, yeah. I just wonder what's under those lakes, you know? Yeah. I love the Chattooga river. Like I talked about earlier. And, um, when you get to the end, you paddle across t- a lake, uh, and, um, is that the, the river and deliverance? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and that's, they're doing that before the, before dam, the dam gets built. Right. And yeah. And they try to dump the body in the yeah, way. Spoiler alert comes out. <laughs> it's a great movie. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Sorry. Um, we always say spoiler alert after we've done it, you know, I know. um, the, uh, but the, you know, there, I've heard that there are pictures of the drops that that the lake flooded that were even bigger than the five falls, which are like the best rapids on the whole Chattooga. And so, you know, you just got to think about that, but I think we've got enough dams. Yeah. We have enough. We have enough. There's, um, there's a river in West Virginia and I hope you know the name of it, but it's one of the longest sections of undammed rivers that we have in the East. Do you know what river that is? Is it the new river? It might be. I don't, know the name i was hoping you know I, I was riding dirt bikes around there and um these towns are right on the banks of the river mm-hmm. and um this one town in particular starts with an m it's like matiwan or something mm-hmm. um they have walls around the town and then they have these doors they close for flood season oh my gosh and then they open them back they leave them open but just flood season they close these doors wow it's crazy yeah and i'm like why does this look like uh an old medieval town with right. a wall around this town it's like well it floods this river we don't have dams in it and I they've st- just learned to deal with that i still would be pretty nervous about yeah just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah if the water was up high enough to be halfway up the wall i mean I still be terrified most of downtown chattanooga was flooded exactly before yeah. these dams went in mm-hmm. um, and that's why there's i, I believe there's a Everything is up a story. Yeah. Uh, and so there's an understory yeah, they, to Chattanooga. There is. And yeah. even with the dams, we still got some flooding Absolutely. the last two years. Yeah. So if you're interested, you're talking about TVA and the rainfall. Yeah. I highly recommend a book called The Emerald Mile, which talks about a year out west when they had just insane amounts of snow and rain and the Glen Canyon Dam started to fail. Mm-hmm. with this massive amount of water coming down toward it. And so they had to do this insanely high release on the Grand Canyon when there were trips in the Grand Canyon Ooh. and had to fly helicopters down, drop messages, telling them to get high camp as high as they can. Here comes this massive wall of water. And these three guys saw this as an opportunity to put on illegally and get the fastest 
Orig run down the river, and it is a great story. And they did they make it? Well, spoiler. I'm not okay, spoiler. good, good. Thanks for not answering <laughs> that. Um, there was a there's a dam in Saginaw, Michigan that broke. I'm from Michigan, so okay. it broke. Um, I think in the spring, spring. Or oh yeah, I, I remember seeing. That. Remember that? Yes. So there's all these, you know, very expensive houses, mm-hmm. uh, five hundred thousand, maybe some million dollar houses up there, and it broke, and they don't have that dam wasn't really generating electricity. Um, the person that had it under the organization that had control of it was getting ready to sell the rights to the dam. Mm-hmm. A, a company was getting ready to buy it, and a, a week or two before the transaction, the dam broke, and they're like, "We're out, <laughs> we're no." Oh my gosh. But it's it's this lake, this man-made lake, and um. All these houses are sitting yeah. 50 feet above, and they, they now have more property, but it's this jungle, and things are coming up. And there is um, there is a piece of equipment. I think it's a bulldozer that's now exposed that, oh that the original dam builders left there. And and um, it's just a giant eyesore now. I'm and, sure. And it's like, should we rebuild the dam or kind of let it go back to the natural state because it's no longer being used to generate money? Right. And I know out west, there's a lot of push to to yeah. uh, get rid of the dams, especially on the Columbia River, because yep. of the salmon migration. Yeah. And if, yeah, fish fish species, you know, dam removal makes total sense because you, got, you have to have a free-flowing mm-hmm. river for some of those. I used to live in Missoula, Montana, and it was amazing that uh, in Montana you could go over the pass, and f- my buddy would go over the pass, and he would fish for steelhead that were ocean run. You know, yeah. all the way up through Oregon and Idaho. And that's beautiful to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And and especially Com- Columbia River, as far as I understand, they don't use as much commercial traffic and boats, mm-hmm. which also is a benefit of dams. Um, large barges can move commerce. But right. at least in that region, the train mm-hmm. took care of that. So there's not near, you don't necessarily need that. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason where maybe we could start removing some dams. Yeah. And you have the, um, the interstate that goes right along the, you know, the river. Trucks. So, trucks. You know? Yeah, lots of trucks. Yeah. But Tennessee River still uses, we have barges coming up here daily, yep. all the time. Yep. So, yeah, dams are interesting. Dams are interesting. I definitely see that, you know, they've they've done a lot for us, but some, I think, were, were pretty unnecessary. And, and, you know, I think you see what a dam is all about when you're on a river that, like the Nolichucky or the or the... Chattooga where there's not a dam yeah and it's just like something wilder and more wonderful about that yeah I, I agree um do you want to talk about some of the rapids that used to be in the Tennessee River Gorge before the dams got implemented like the old pot the pan in the kettle yeah do you do you know have any history or know anything about those rapids I've got it so I have a map I bought a topo map of Chattanooga and I was looking at it and it had the pot the pan in the kettle um and I did a little bit of research on it to learn that those were barge terms uh, and, you know, talking about the depth of the water and, and things like that. And then the suck, the suck. Yeah. Suck Creek used to, um, used to really mess barges up. And I think they had to sometimes rope them past it or something. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's an eddy down there called dead man's eddy, which I can only imagine was because that's where if, you know, somebody fell off a bridge or something like that in Chattanooga, that's where they wound up. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that there were rapids on Tennessee River, but I don't know a whole lot about where they were. 
and as far as I understand, people have uh, died there even this year at the sock. Um, it can pull you down somehow. It, just it, like swimmers in the yeah. in the water. Yeah, you can. Wow. Yeah, I think three people. I, we should get someone to check me out on that. But right. um, it's still dangerous there. Yeah, it's a quite the eddy. Yep, coming out of you know Suck Creek when it meets the Tennessee River. Yeah, when there's a lot of water coming through there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, Tennessee River is fascinating. <laughs> um, how long have you been doing this this walkabout with uh, Baylor? Um. Well, I was a student at Baylor, so I graduated in 1999, and I went on a couple trips with them, with Walkabout then, and then when I returned, I, uh, in 2006, um, I, part of my job was Walkabout Guide, so, you know, that was, back in the day, I was doing the climbing and the caving and kayaking and backpacking and all that stuff, and over time, kind of narrowed it to more, like I said, uh, to the water stuff so primarily kayak but but in the afternoon program we trail run um and stuff like that is that um volunteer work or a paid position it's paid paid position yep. very nice yeah so it's a percentage of my job is guiding trips okay so when you um said returned in 06 did, did you leave chattanooga for a while i did i went to school in montana and then uh college little- Okay. And then uh, I went to... Bozeman? Just a guess. Missoula. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In retrospect, I, I kind of wish I had done Bozeman. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and going back to visit, I'm like, Bozeman's nice. Um, and then uh, lived in Portland, Oregon for a little while, and San Diego was where I was living before I came back to help guide the first sort of scouting trip to India okay. for kayaking. Yeah. yeah. The guy I work with has been been going to India for trekking, and so we we transitioned it to kayaking. And then uh, that next fall, they were looking for an English teacher and a walkabout guide, and so I was here. So you're an English teacher at Baylor? Yep. Very well. Um, How's my English doing? (laughs) It's great. It's fantastic. I can speak Michigan. Okay. (laughs) Good. Um, When you're in San Diego, did you get to paddle? Uh, no, I was, I was surfing then. Surf bomb. That was, yeah, that was the reason I was living there. My brother was living there. He said, he sent me enough, you know, information about swells that they got. And I said, okay, it's too cold in Oregon and I have to drive an hour to surf. So I'm going to San Diego and just kind of poured myself into that. But there's some good paddling in Oregon. Yes, there is. You know, and to my, to my great shame, my kayak was like something I piled clothes on in the corner of my room because I just didn't really plug into a community, I was say which that. was the problem. But I could go by myself and go surf. And so that's, and I had an odd, you know, I was working, you know, odd schedule. And so it wasn't like I had, I didn't have Saturdays or Sundays off. And so it was hard to plug into a community of folks that were going kayaking. Yeah. What, what was and the surf bug? It just bit me pretty, pretty well. Right. Um, what's it like to live in San Diego? At the time, uh, it was magnificent. Uh, I was, because of, I was a surf bum and, you know, I was a mile from the ocean. And, uh, so it was, the weather was absolutely spectacular and I was not trying to support a family or own a home. So life was pretty good. I, uh, I could work, I was working at a, at a lumber yard and that was enough to pay my bills and, and, and surf. And so I really enjoyed it. 
And then this opportunity at Baylor is what had you come back to yep. where it all started. Yeah. I left the lumberyard saying, I'll be back in a few months. I've just got to go and take this trip. And they were like, okay, we'll hire you back. And, and they're still waiting. Although I don't think any of the people who were working there are still there, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I came back and then, you know, just how life goes, something is, you know, twists and turns. So you've been working at Baylor for 14 years. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, I was giving the PSAT last, last, I was administering the PSAT last week and watching the students bubble in their, uh, their birth dates. And I was like, I've been working here for as long as you've been alive. And that was a humbling moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so it's great. I love it. Do you have any students that are better at kayaking than you? We just graduated uh, a student who uh, went, he's over App State. And he's good. He's good. And I've seen a lot of students uh, who it, it get it gets the they get the bug and and they they go for it. And it's so awesome to see something become a part of a student's life that they're going to keep doing beyond. You know, they're ones who like they, it's great. They go on a few of our trips and they've tried it and they've they've enjoyed the experience. But when the passion gets them, and you know, I see him posting pictures of. Uh, you know, running the Chioa and, and, and getting his first run on the Golly River up in West Virginia. It's, it's good to see. It's great. Yeah. And then he's, uh, and then they're better than me real quick because they're young. I know. <laughs> I know. I used to be young too. Right. I remember yeah. getting good at things fast. Getting, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What so, happened? I don't know. We're, I guess it's our neural pathways are all, you know, we're just we're just a one way street now. Yeah, we can't, we can't adjust stuff. Right. Yeah. Are you still are you getting better at kayaking still? Um, I think I've probably, I think I've probably plateaued. I'd be willing to say that, you know, because I'm not. I don't. Uh, you know, two kids and and all this don't have the opportunity to go and, uh, you know, spend a lot of time doing it. Number one, like days and days and days, or go on a you know a foreign trip or somewhere something like that. Um, but you know, um, I'm actually kind of, kind of branched out in some other areas to enjoy water. You know, uh, I like got a raft, swore I'd never raft. And then now with, with kids, the raft is a perfect craft and oar rigging is something I'm, I'm into. And, and, uh, so just enjoying water in different ways and trying to enjoy water in ways where my kids can start learning to enjoy water. Yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, three years old and 10 months. Three and ten. Um, ten months. Ten months. Yeah, yeah. three and ten yeah. months. Um, when's that little guy's first uh, Koei trip in the raft? Oh, he is. Uh, oh, I, I think they have. I think they're supposed to be twelve. So maybe like when he's six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it really twelve? I think maybe commercially that's the commercially uh, probably yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, we'll get him out there soon. Um, yeah, he loves the Hiawassee. We go on the Hiawassee all summer, and so that's a great river. It is a beautiful river. It's a wonderful river, and it's it's uh, it's where I spend so much time. It's great. Have you ever done attainment on the Hiawassee? No, that is <laughs> no. But Taft Sibley, who is the president of North Chick, who is uh, I think in contact with you a good bit. Yeah, he he did that. Uh, pun- he's a glutton for punishment, and he did that race. And I I mean I've seen people training for it, and I'm sitting there like, oh, you couldn't pay me. Yeah, but you know, and, and actually Lucian Scott, who's on the board, he's, he's the same. He and Taft 
have similar engines, you know, that are just like, and, uh, you know, they don't, they, they run up to the top of North Chickamauga Creek and then paddle down. Oh, they run it. They run the trail up. Yeah. And then have someone stash their boat or something and they paddle down it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're cut from a different cloth for sure. Yeah. uh, It's, uh, but, uh, well, it's fun to be friends with those kind of people. It is, it is out there, you know, doing it for all of us. (laughs) So my last trip on the high and that's about as big as whitewater. I do. Mm -hmm. I've, I've swam through probably every rapid of the Ocoee. Um, yeah, so I'm not into that. I, but anyway, I paddleboarded down the Hiawassee cool. the last time and just take your fin off. And that was the most enjoyable trip I've ever had. More fun than a kayak, more fun than a tube. Um, just an inflatable yeah. paddleboard. You can control because you know how the Hiawassee, they have all these. Um, so many different random islands and all yep. these little tiny paths. And mm-hmm. in a tube, you're kind of trying to, oh, man. you know, but in the paddleboard, you can control and go wherever you want. It's wonderful. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny. There's a spot, I think it's called um, Thread the Needle, one of those first little spots where, like you're talking about, it goes around an island. Yeah. And we, we like to stop there and swim afterward. And that is the part where you see tubers regret. Tuber, is that the name of a drop? No, tuber, but it's, uh, what I, it's just what I, you see on the face. A tuber come through there, yeah. hit the island, spin around, try to go one way and get pushed the other. Yeah. And they're like, their butt's cold. Yeah. And they realize that this is only the beginning. And they're like, yep. what did I do? Why did I not get something I can paddle? Yeah, exactly. You know, so the paddleboard is awesome because you can, you know, when you can control where you go there. And that river has, every rapid has five or six different lines you yeah. can explore, which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one's that one's really nice. Um, what else do you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, this this fun. This is great. We covered it. I think we covered it. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, what do you do in terms of what do you do with this raw footage? Is this do you go back and chop it up or just send it out? I I take out all of my grammatical errors and okay. I re-record them. Okay. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> this is this is it. Cool. Uh, unedited. Um. I like this format because it's more natural conversation. I have right. minimal notes over here, and um, and I don't even call these interviews. The I only do conversations. I cool. don't interview. Awesome. So um, this is just a fun way to get to know you, yeah. to get to know this work that you're doing. Um, you know, with the 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 North Chick, yeah. and learn about Walden Ridge, and um, I hope that. You know, listeners uh, find more about the Walden Ridge Project. And yeah, and they can at waldenridgepark.com and they can see how they can uh, help us out in a lot of ways, whether it be financially or with with making sure that um, the city council, you know, takes on this, this development that will add 40, you know, add acreage to the park and protect 40% of the adjacent property. So that's coming up in January so people can look out for that and help us out. Yeah. I'm, I'm hundred percent biased towards this. And, um, I really think that's important. Yeah. Um, more land conservation. It's, it's public access to anybody. Right. Good outdoor free. Is it going to be a free park? Oh yeah. Um, and who doesn't want that, that anyone can enjoy? Absolutely. That's a wonderful mission. Yeah. So that's great. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Opportunity.
Well, nice to meet you. Oh, do you have any? Do you want to promote any of your the North Chick Instagrams or Facebook pages or anything like that? Northchick.org is our website. Um, WaldensRidgePark.com to check out updates on the park. And I am not a social media person, but we do have a Facebook page, and we have. I would look at our Instagram. Yeah, it's probably just North Chick. Okay, uh, but I, I let uh, I let the younger folks take care of the, uh, the social media. They're, they're better at it. <laughs> they're anyway. much better. At it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, All right, cool. Well, thanks. It's nice talking to you. Nice talking to you too. Thank All you right. so much. Bye. And there you have it. That's Tim Laramore, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that. I love that one. I like to try to visualize the Chattanooga's topography and public lands and kind of build a mental map in my head. So that was really special for me doing that with Tim on our conversation today. Um, if you like the podcast, please tell your friends. That's honestly the help, most helpful thing you can do. Chattanooga's a really small town, so just tell your friends. Um, you can also rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's helpful too. Or write us a review. I love reading the reviews. Super fun. Um, otherwise, come back next week to listen to the next person of Chattanooga. Bye. <laughs>